This is the Incubator and the Neonatology Review Podcast. We are your study buddies for neonatology topics. I'm Dr. Ben Korsha. And I'm Dr. Daphne Yasova Barbo. Welcome. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to the Incubator and Neonatology Review Podcast. We are back. It's Monday. We're doing another week of questions in preparation for the Neonatology Board Exam. Um, Daphna, how are you? We're getting close to the boards, aren't we? They're getting close to the boards. They're getting close to the boards. <laughs> well, you know, I mean, so that's the thing. I think in a perfect world, I mean, the whole community rallies around people who are taking the boards. These are our people. They're the future of neonatology, mm-hmm. you know? Like, we should give them time off to study. We should give Time off to recover from the boards. There just aren't enough days in the year. But mm-hmm. um, but so we're here with you guys. <laughs> uh-huh. um, I wanted to make an announcement as we begin this week, um, specifically because um, we have a few exciting things to announce um, on the podcast about what we're doing with the Incubator and Unitology Review. So um, while the the subscription cost of the incubator podcast go to you mean after this board cycle no i mean just announcements for today like for what's coming up in the next few months all right um but uh, a a lot of the subscription costs for the incubator podcast go to like paying a lot of the equipment and subscriptions and all that stuff but there is um some funds that have been always sort of earmarked for supporting fellows and trainees and and so um, we're very excited about some of the things we're currently doing. So just, I mean, perfect tra- for, for full transparency, where um, the the subscription costs of the Incubator Podcast are helping support the, the, the launching of a fellowship program in Rwanda in Africa. And we're very excited about that. Um, and another way that um, we're going to continue to support fellows is through the Delphi Conference. Um, so we're able to offer um uh discounted pricing for trainees but we also have this year if you haven't seen the agenda we have a very special um competition taking place at Delphi so it's called the neonatal brainiacs and it's a trivia competition that fellowship programs will uh will um compete in we will um accommodate f- four fellowship programs to come compete on stage Ideally, each fellowship program should send three fellows from three years, PGY, what is it, four, five, and six? So we have, and then, um, and beyond the fun of, we're doing this in partnership with TCAN. So um, we will eventually reach out to the community about like, we're going to have a lot of fun writing these questions. And and so it it will be very exciting. Um, The more exciting thing is that we're able to actually create a a grant slash award which we're uh calling the brodsky and martin award in uh in honor of the work done by dr brodsky and dr martin which is basically helping us get to the point we are at today and this grant is for uh, two thousand five hundred dollars aimed at supporting educational activities of the winning program and so if you are interested in participating 
Uh, more information will come out in the coming weeks and months. But if you are interested in participating, just check out the Delphi agenda, delphiconference.org. Uh, on there, there should be a flyer where you can actually submit a little application. Um, we haven't really decided. <laughs> uh, we're basing this on the premise that not many people are going to get back to us. If a lot of people want to participate, we'll have to find a filtering system. As of now, the only filter I have is that we are going to ask you what will the award, if you were to win it, will be used for in your fellowship program. And we're going to try to, with a group of, um, with a uh, panel uh, to judge um, uh, which program uh, should be selected. And again, if uh, we have a lot of responses, we'll come up with something a bit more sophisticated. But for now, this is where we are. So if it will be very fun. It will be a lot of fun. There might be a, an actual cup that we will uh, uh, get for the event. But uh, oh, absolutely. If, you, <laughs> if you want to participate, uh, just check out DelphiConference.org. And uh, the Delphi Conference in and of itself is going to be a lot of fun. There's a lot of great uh, speakers. It's happening in a museum, and we're just very excited about it. Daphne has been working really hard on the venue and the, and the logistics, um, and the curation of the content is particularly good thanks to our great planning committee mm -hmm. and uh, so it's going to be fun and that's just one of the things that is going to happen uh, so f listen to the incubator as you probably are and we'll tease more of the events that will happen at Delphi this year and with that we are ready to begin maternal fetal medicine questions okay well uh, as a reminder for people I think this is a good time uh, the board specs in 2022 changed significantly so that the maternal fetal medicine component uh, was weighted less heavily it used to be like I don't know 13 percent or something 12 that's something wild um, so it's weighted much less heavily. So just know that when you're going through the um, maternal fetal medicine questions that there are a lot, say, from the Brodsky Martin book, there are a lot of questions. And that is because the book was written before the specs changed. I would focus on maternal diseases that cause neonatal presentations like Graves, Myasthenia Gravis. What are some others? <laughs> They love those. They love to ask about those. Uh, diabetes, um, things like that. Anything having to do with neonatal resuscitation. And I would know how to read uh, fetal tracings. I think those are the biggies. Okay? Very cool. Yeah. All right. So we are starting with question 71. We said, you are called by the junior resident to discuss the umbilical cord gases from two recently admitted infants. One infant has been admitted for management of hypoglycemia. The other patient was born at 26 weeks gestation following an unstoppable preterm labor. Both infants had been vigorous at birth and neither required immediate resuscitation. The results of the cord gases are paired together correctly, but the patient of origin is unclear. The answer choice should be go get new gases if you don't know which gas came from which But that's not the question. Okay. The resident provides the gas results below and asks you if you can differentiate the type. Is it uh, coming from the UA, the umbilical artery, or is it coming from the UV, the umbilical vein? Um, and who is the patient of origin? So is it patient X versus patient Y? Which is it the term infant or the preterm infant? 
So I'm going to read the gases. So if you have a pen and paper, just take a little pencil <laughs> and start writing those down. That's right. I'm going to read the gases. And then I'm not sure it's helpful to read all of the ch- option choices. You should just, I think it, this is a good practice to s- decide to come up with the answer yourself, I guess I would say. Okay. Patient X. So this is one set of gases. Um, has these two gases, a pH of 7.24, PCO2 of 53, PO2 of 17, a base excess of minus 4.5. The second gas for patient X, pH 7.35, PCO2 41, PO2 29, base excess minus 3. And then patient Y also has two gases. The first gas has a pH of 7.19, PCO2 45, a PO2 of 8. A base excess of minus 10. And the second gas for patient Y is a pH of 7.23, a PCO2 of 40, a PO2 of 18, and a base excess of minus 10. So you have to decide, uh, is the preterm or the term baby patient X or patient Y? And then which gas is the UA and which gas is the UV? This is a good Mm -hmm. question. Yeah, yeah. Um, so you gave. So let's let's. I'm going to take them one at a time. Um, yeah. We have p- patient X that has two gases, um, and then from these two gases, we have the first one, seven two four CO two fifty three, and the PO two is seventeen. It's quite low. Um, and then the second gas, seven point three five CO two forty one, PO two slightly higher, uh, twenty nine. Um, I think. We have to remember a few things because the umbilical vessels are tricky like that. Um, the um, umbilical uh, vein is what brings um, the oxygenated blood to the baby from the mother. And so we have to shift our mindset a little bit. And so I think for that, in patient X, um, if I'm thinking of which one would be the uh, venous gas, well, the, the venous gas should be the one with the higher PO2. Um, so that would be probably uh, gas number two. For patient Y, so then that would be my UV and that would be my UA. Then, uh, so the one with the PO2 of 29, gas number two, 735, 41, 29, that's my UV. And then the UA will be 72453, PO2, 17. Um, for patient Y, we can follow the same reasoning. We have two gases, 719, mm-hmm. 45, 8, and then 72340, PO2 18. And so I think in this case, again, the PO2 being higher most likely is coming from the UV. So again, four will be my UV gas and um, and three will be my UA gas. And then you asked us a separate question, which is, mm-hmm. well, which one um, belongs to which? Um, now, in the answer choices, interestingly mm-hmm. enough, we have several options. We can either assign. Um, so let's see. I, I want to check also that my reasoning also has an answer choice because if if they don't assign the UA and the UV the same way, then maybe it will sort out all my answer mm-hmm. choices for me. So choice B says that the twenty six week infant has is the first one with mm-hmm. one being the UA. That's not correct. I said that B, the second one, should be the UA. So that's that answer choice is wrong. I'm going to just erase it altogether. C says that uh, 26 week infant is the first gas again and that the first one is the 
Uh, I'm. Uh, I apologize. I apologize. Choice yeah, B. Yeah, you said the opposite. The opposite. <laughs> Choice C is wrong. Choice C says that the 26 week infant is patient X, the first one, and that the first gas is a is a UV, and the second gas is the UA, which is the opposite. Mm-hmm. Choice B says that correctly, and then it tells you that the second patient is the full term one, um, and then. Um, that choice uh, three is coming from the UNV. So technically, that would work. I just have to decide how do we tell um, which one is coming from which. Um, if I continue with this uh, reasoning and I try to find that choice uh, one, gas number one is a UA, the only other one that really works is choice D, where basically it's the 40-week infant. But there's another choice that mm-hmm. assigns the gases correctly and tells you you cannot really tell which one belongs to which. Um, it's, it's difficult to know. Um, um, yeah. Now, which one is the one of the full term? Which one is the one of the, of the preterm? Um, it's interesting. You know, if I had to give a guess, if I have to give a guess, I would probably say that patient Y is the preemie, which means that, um, that would be answer choice E, saying that the first patient, patient X, is the forty-week infant. That the first gas is a. Uh, uh, sorry, it's maybe uh, answer choice D. Forty patient X is the forty-week infant. Um, gas number one seven two four fifty three PO two seventeen. That's R U A. Then our UV will be choice number two, and then the other one will be twenty six, just because their pH are much lower. Hmm. And so maybe that's why, but I'm not sure about that. So it's either that or maybe we can tell. I have no idea. Maybe we cannot tell which one is which, mm-hmm. but we can tell that it's UAUV. But anyway, I've spent enough time on this question. Okay. You go. <laughs> okay. I think it, it makes sense if you did not have to answer choice A to be like, probably the worst gas came from the smaller baby, even if they're well appearing. But uh, I think you had uh, the right idea that if you think about blood gases, blood gases from a preterm baby and a full-term baby may look identical. Um, so I'll start by saying that the correct answer choice is A, that we cannot tell which set belongs to which patient. But um, importantly, which I think is really the point of the question, is understanding that the physiology of the umbilical arteries and veins or maybe the biochemistry of them is opposite to what we normally expect from arteries and veins. That's right. Um, So you are correct that in each set, the UV um, had the greater PO2s. uh, um, um, I think that's probably the most important feature. Um, But let me tell you a little bit more about that. So umbilical cord acid-base status does not vary with gestational age. So you can have a good gas for a little baby. You can have bad gas for a big baby. We know that. The main blood gas exchanger in the fetus is the placenta. And 20% of maternal cardiac output is directed to the gravid uterus. Oxygenated blood is carried from the placenta to the fetus via the umbilical vein. Okay. That's important to remember because in general, we anticipate that oxygenated blood is carried by arteries, but this is the opposite in the umbilical vessels. In physiologic conditions, the UV blood has a higher pH, a lower PCO2, and a higher PO2 compared to the umbilical arterial or the UA blood 
that carries waste from the fetus to the placenta, not what we usually think of as the role of the artery. So it's opposite. The UA blood tends to have a lower pH and PO2 and a higher PCO2 compared to umbilical vein umbilical venous blood. Therefore, we can predict that the infants in this vignette without a history of intrapartum asphyxia have similar UA and UV gases that are normal. Thus, 1 and 3, which had higher, uh, which had lower PAO2s, are most consistent with UA blood, and 2 and 4, the opposite, are from UV. We cannot tell which belongs to which patient. Okay. That's a shame. I know. So, I was <laughs> so nice close. Good. <laughs> All right. Okay. Um, okay. Let me ask you question 72. Mm. Uh, you are admitting a female infant born at 28 weeks to the NICU. The baby's intubated in the delivery room after persistent apnea following 30 seconds of bag and mask ventilation. Uh, the baby has a heart rate above 100 at all times, currently receiving 40% oxygen. Her APGAR score mm. is 3 at 1 minute, uh, 2 for heart rate. Zero for respiratory effort, zero for reflexes, zero for color, and one for tone. But then at uh, five minutes, the baby has an eight, two for heart rate, two for respiratory uh, effort, two for reflexes, one for color, one for tone, two for heart rate. Um, What are the issues to consider when interpreting Mm -hmm. the Abgar score of the infant in this case? Choice A, Abgar scores are not validated for preterm infants. Choice B, the infant's Abgar score does not reflect the mechanical ventilation required to maintain her respiration. Choice C, the infant's APGAR scores uh, does not reflect the oxygen required to maintain her saturation. Choice D, all of the above. Choice E, none of the above. Very controversial questions. <laughs> yeah. But I think this actually just came up in the in our clinical practice, and we had to, to review it with the team. Um, because sometimes a very preterm who's doing what they should for age may still need a lot of support. So, I mean, the APGAR score was not validated for preterm infants. It was, you know, when Virginia APGAR invented them, it was to to really these term infants, how would they do uh, just following delivery? Let's see, the infant's APGAR score does not reflect the mechanical ventilation required to maintain her respiration. That's correct. It basically is just asking, what are the respirations? And the infant's APGAR score does not reflect the oxygen required to maintain the saturation. That's also correct. It's not one of the scoring categories. So uh, I guess the answer has to be D, all of the above. Yeah, that's correct. And interestingly enough, to the point you were making, Virginia Abgar, when she designed the Abgar score in 1953, she said basically the the, the point was that so that somebody would pay attention to the baby mm-hmm. because that's the right. baby used to be born, placed on the side, and the obese would continue with the process of delivery, taking care of the mother. And so <clears throat> she thought that by having to do an assessment, then somebody would have to look at the baby at one minute and five minutes, which is interesting because it's one of the most immuable things in neonatology and now it's it's going to go in my opinion through the first of its revisions because as we're delaying as we're delaying cord clamping up to one minute there's really not as much of a need to do an abgar score at one minute you might as well just maybe say the two minute abgar score because you're being handed the baby at one minute Mm. there's no point in trying to do like right so it'll be interesting to see if that ever changes Mm -hmm. but um so you are correct um the goal um, also, as uh, Dr. Brodsky and Martin mentioned, was to provi- provide a common language to talk about the assessment of the babies among care provider. It was not validated for preterm infants and does not take into account active resuscitation. Therefore, uh, one could argue um, 
uh, one, one could arguably give the infant in the vignette a score of zero for respiration and cholera at five minutes due to the ongoing mechanical ventilation and oxygen supplementation, which is always the case, right? It's like, if, if I'm ventilating you, do, do you get points for respiration or have we now stabilized the baby? The Abgar score of eight in this infant could be falsely reassuring if taken out of context, out of the gestational age and support. Um, now, uh, yeah, so in any case, so that was, that was the right answer. Good job. Thank you. Okay. Daphna, we have extended our time for today, mm-hmm. um, probably due to the announcement and stuff, but we had two good questions. So uh, let's uh, pause here and reconvene tomorrow. Sounds good, buddy. Bye. Okay. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Incubator and Neonatology Review Podcast. If you like our show, please leave us a review on Apple Podcasts or Spotify. We would love to hear from you, so please feel free to reach out to Daphna and I via email by sending your messages to nikupodcast at gmail.com. You can also message the show on Twitter at nikupodcast. Thanks again for listening and see you next time. This podcast is intended to be purely for entertainment and informational purposes and should not be construed as medical advice. If you have any medical concerns, please see your primary care practitioner. Thank you.